Welcome to the Audible Ecstasy Podcast. Each week we sit around and discuss the music from our past. Sometimes we agree. I call it iconic. It's a 10. That riff is un- It's incredible. Clearly a 10. This is one of the most iconic songs of the 80s. Um, iconic from start to finish. And sometimes we disagree. This song sounds like something you might hear at your aunt's funeral. The absolute worst lyric ever. It's like stuffing the sock in your pants and you got nothing else to tell me. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Alright guys, we are back with another episode of the Audible XD Podcast. This week we are doing the album Pump by Aerosmith. The 1989 release that pretty much hit us smack in the middle of our high school years. Guys, y'all ready to do this? Let's let's get it on. What do you think, Anthony? Take me to the other side. <laughs> All right, a little weak, but I'll give you. A well, pass. I I had, I had forgot to do it this week, man. I've since been a busy week, but it's all good, man. It was it's like all good. Let's have some fun five, with this one. Five seconds. I was like, I gotta grab something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's it's all worth. It's just we're just having fun. It doesn't matter, right? Chris, you care to start this? This is your pick for this uh, this series. You want to hit it up with track number one, Young Lust? Let's hear this. I do. Yes. I think this is a this is a great way to start an album, guys. It's a fast-paced song, kind of right off the bat, especially by Aerosmith standards. But it's got solid vocals and, and vocal harmonies. The guitar riffs are good, and the rhythm section is very prominent in this song. I gave it an eight and a half. I think it's a really good way to start the album. Hey, Chris, uh, I'm I'm almost 100 percent agree. Anthony, if you don't care, I'm gonna go ahead and go second tonight, and I uh, I'm gonna echo that. I think that uh, that is a very very good opener uh, it seems to be a faster heavier heavier take than what you might expect from Aerosmith. um it's riffing it's it's rocking it's memorable i think it's a very very fine start i, I went with an eight because i think it's great uh anthony what did you think about young lust yeah you know i wrote uh, i love the way the song starts you know it's about the it's like it's about to jump off and get moving and when it does it really does um i really like the bluesy hard rock sound of this one it's very upbeat um, like the way it rolls, you know, fast at times, kind of slows down, back to fast. I'm digging it, you know. I great, I wrote a great lead-in song. I gave it an eight. So. All right, yeah. So we're we're about even on that one, guys. Now track two is F I N E Fine. Chris, what do you think about that one? Can you play it?
Yeah, I felt like it was a really good transition from the first song into this song. I don't know if you guys remember the way the last one closed and this one came in. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Stephen's vocals, again, they're kind of the strong point on this song. He, he harmonizes so well with, with the background vocals. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be saying this a lot tonight, but that's to me, that's kind of the most prominent thing about Aerosmith, really, is, is Stephen's vocals. He's he's very, you, you know him when you hear him. There's no, like, there's nothing generic about this dude. I mean, it's, it's you know it's Aerosmith as soon as you hear the guy. I think it's another eight and a half. I, I think these, these kind of similar songs both have kind of juvenile lyrics a little bit, but, you know, just that's kind of the way it was back in the 80s, and yeah, I think it is, it's eight and a half for me. Hey, Chris, uh, you know, <clears throat> to me, F-I-N-E fine is it's absolutely a uh, it's it's following Young Lust in perfect fashion. And I, I think it's going to go a step up for me. This one starts off great with that drum and that riff. And then you got that nice slide guitar breakdown that goes on there at the uh, in the middle. And um, I think vocally, like you said, it's it's there. It's easy to sing along with. I think it's, you know, lyrically. I mean, this is probably the best song I ever heard about sex and hookers. You know what I mean? And uh, that line, by the way, girl, what's your name again? Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> that is Aerosmith at its peak in the 90s, no doubt, or in the, at least the late 80s, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, it's a great song. I gave it a nine. I think it's excellent. It's uh, it's one of my faves on this record. So, Anthony, what do you think about F-I-N-E? Yeah, it's another groover like the first one. You know, I like the bluesy sound again. Steven sounds great. Um, love the harmonies. Guitar work is solid. No complaints. And... I pulled some lyrics down on this one because this one, man, the lyrics have me cracking up. I have Apple Music now. Anybody has Apple Music, you can read the lyrics as you listen to these songs, and it can be hilarious. So it kind of goes like this or some of it. Hot wax dripping. Honey, what do you say? I got a brand new record that I got to play. She says, not now, boy, but I did anyway because I'm ready, so ready. Lip smacking, patty whacking, walking the street. I got a ragtop Chevy. Now I'm back on my feet. This part got me. I got an emo Woody when I sit in the seat because I'm ready, so ready. Yeah, I got a girlfriend with the hoochie-coochie eyes because in the pink, she looks so fine. She got the Cracker Jack now, all I want's the prize. Honey, hey, 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 I know these hookers down on 42nd Street, but ill-gotten booty's not my style. I'll take a rain check till I get back on my feet. Honey, hey, hey, yeah. That's just some of the lyrics. So <laughs> Yeah, he's a... Uh... Like I did say, it's kind of juvenile, but <laughs> yeah, it was the 80s, man. That's just the way that stuff was well, back then. Yeah, fact. But, that's a very, very fact. It, you know, it put a smile on the face. and I, You know, I dig it. It's Aerosmith. I dig it. Um, I gave it an eight. Solid song. So, I But I heard yeah, those fair lyrics. Fair enough. I, no, just, I, guess, I, I had to stop my I review and just read the lyrics for a few minutes, man. I couldn't help it. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll definitely uh, start making you laugh from the uh, kid inside of you for sure. Now, that, uh, that brings us up to track number three, uh, Going Down slash Loving an Elevator. Chris, give us a little taste of that one. This is probably one of their most recognized songs, maybe the most. I don't know. It's right up there. Uh, it's got an infectious chorus. It's very easy to sing along to. 
It's probably also their most overplayed song, <laughs> uh, but I'm not gonna knock it for that because it's a good song. I think it's yeah, maybe not. I maybe do looks like a lady, but I don't know. It, it, it's regardless. Point. This is an iconic song. It's an easy ten in my book. Yeah, Chris, to be uh, going down or loving an elevator, which we all know it by. Um, it's it's uh, easy to sing along with. It's crowd pleaser. Unusual. It's, there's an unusual use of a horn section. By the way, if you guys listen to that closely. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'd forgotten it existed until yeah. I re-listened this, re-listened this yeah, album. Yeah, not the only song with some horns. No, in it, there's, yeah. yeah, I was going to yeah. knock that out on a couple other tunes. I mean, I don't know if they're getting the vibe of Mardi Gras. I mean, I, for some reason, when I listen to this record, I feel like it's a Mardi Gras record. I don't I don't know. It's just yeah. the vibe I'm getting. But Definitely. I know this is iconic. They spent some time in Louisiana there. before this. Absolutely. They had to, man. Yeah, they had yeah. to. But uh, yeah, like you said, Chris, it's iconic every sense of the word. It's a 10. Anthony, what do you think about Love and Elevator? Yeah, I mean, my notes start off with uh, not sure how anyone couldn't like the song. You know, it's a fun song from the opening chord to the last. It works. I've been enjoying it for a while. And it's a nasty guitar solo in it. You know, Joe Perry really knocked it knocked it out in that that part of the song. Kind of gets lost, I think, in the novelty of the song sometimes. I mean, it's a 10 to me, and it's number four all-time in concert for him. So uh, mm. 1,146 wow. plays. It's the only one off this album that's in the top 10. Really? That's, no that's surprising. Okay. Well, you got to remember, this has been, what, 20 yeah. f- some years ago. They've yeah, got a large was, discography for sure. Yeah, and they've yeah. got a pretty massive, and, and believe me, the next two records even put out more hits, so they had to, you know, continue bringing songs along um, as they as they progressed in their career, and they couldn't take them all, you know what I mean? Exactly. I was just kind of surprised. I thought uh, other songs might be a little higher than this I one. think there's better songs on this record that should be there, but I'm sure they're not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, we all, the trifecta of pain, I guess, 10 across the board. That takes us to track number four, Monkey on My Back. Chris, play a little. My take on this one is, uh, I think after three really good songs, it took a slight step back on this one. I don't think it's a bad song. I mean, Steven's still doing his vocal gymnastics like he likes to do on these songs. And the band sounds good, but there's just something a little generic about it to me. I think it's the weakest song on the album. I gave it a seven. Still oh, good score, but, but I think God. it's the weakest song on the album. Yeah. All right, so at least you gave it a decent score because it's very good. Seven is very good. Yeah, uh, yeah, this, this is a great album. I mean, there's no, no, not too many knocks on this one. Yeah, right, right, right. Now, Monkey on My Back, I don't know, Chris. There is a, I mean, I, I enjoyed this song. I think it's a great tune. That slide guitar is nice in the intro. That bass driving rhythm and the guitar, uh, the two different guitars, rock and roll and following suit on this, I think it's just a great groove. Um, and, you know, it's reminiscent of, I guess, deep Louisiana. And once again, this one, it just makes me think they're down, down in the, the bayou. I, I don't know. I don't know, dude. This is just, I think it's a great song. I gave it an, I gave it an eight. I'm with, that's where I stand. Anthony, how'd you feel about Monkey on My Back? Yeah, you know, it's another funky, grooving blues song by them. It's a solid song. You know, nothing stands out too much for me on it. It's not a skipper, not one I would seek out. 
But the lyrics are actually kind of powerful when you read read them along compared to the high school hijinks songs from before. Um, it's all about drug addiction. Um, it's really well written by, by Joe and, and Steve. Anybody listening to this song should read the lyrics while they're listening to it. Um, I gave it a 7.5. I do think it's the weakest on the album, but a 7.5 is... <laughs> That's crazy good, man, to be a weak, yeah, weak song. So it is, it is. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, I, I guess I hear, I heard it a little bit different. But we're all we're all fairly close, so no big deal. Next song is track five. It's the final song on side one. It starts off with a little intro of the water song, and then it's Janie's got a gun. Chris, talk to me and play us a little track. say it's fair to call this an iconic song uh and it's an iconic song with some pretty disturbing uh, subject matter i mean it's basically about child abuse and molestation mm-hmm. or whatever you know it's it's not a good the thing final revenge yeah yeah exactly exactly i think this is the very definition of a mid-tempo rocker though and it's it's a it's a great song excellent vocals and the background vocals and something i'm starting to notice tell me if you guys hear this when you listen to this music i think Steven Tyler is doing the background vocals as well as the as the lead he vocals. Is. I can hear his vocals in the background vocals as well. Multitrack. So they multitrack his voice on yeah. all these records after so uh, probably done. I don't know how they do that in concert if, if they just don't and the vo- background vocals aren't as good as in concert or what. But, but I can definitely hear his voice in the background as well as the lead there. So regardless, it's an iconic song. I gave it a 10. Right on. Yeah, I... Uh I mean, I, I love the meaning behind the song. Did you guys? I don't know if you paid attention to this the song, but when you listen to it on headphones, there is laughter, yeah, in the background, like a dark overtone of a laugh in a couple parts of this song, like oh, yeah. oh, it's, oh. it's a very. And I don't know if you guys have heard that or too. not, but it's it adds to a little bit of that darkness, and uh, it's talking. And it, I think it happens when he's singing. Janie's got a gun, but uh, I, I love the video. The video is crazy, uh, just crazy good. I mean. This darkness that Steven Tyler is singing about is, it's perfect. Um, I think, obviously, it's iconic. I gave it a 10. I love this song. I think it's a great tune. I think it does handle well over time as well. So, uh, Anthony, what do you think about Janie's Got a Gun? Yeah, this is one of those songs that as a teen I didn't care for as much, but as an adult I've come to appreciate and really like. Um, I guess maybe I understand the subject more now. Um, and the, kind of the way they, they do the song, ballady. <laughs> mid-tempo rocker kind of thing really helps it out too you know joe has a killer guitar solo in this one i don't you might you might know how he does that jimmy i don't know how he does that exactly but it it definitely sounds different than a lot of the other songs on there but uh um you know it's it's got a lot of layers to it too and you listen to it with headphones on you can really hear the layers and all the different stuff going on this one's number 19 all time for me concert and it seemed kind of low, but thinking about the subject matter, maybe not, because they probably want people to have a good time and not bring them down. But only 614 mm-hmm. times they played it. So, I mean, it's 
seemed wow. a little bit low for as big a song as it was, but well, that's that's amazing. You know, you, know, you said the other song um, was at a thousand plays, eleven hundred plays. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, show. what was the number one? I'm sure it's one of the like maybe Sweet Dream Emotion, On probably. or Sweet Emotion. Uh, number one, I think. Let me see. I wrote the top five. Number one was Walk This Way with sixteen hundred and fifty-eight. Oh, yeah. Dream On sixteen twenty-six. Sweet Emotion sixteen nineteen. Love and then crying was ten one thousand thirty four. Oh my that's, god! That's the top five according to Set List FM. Wow! Yeah, I, just, I find that fascinating to me because it kind of shows you what what the band thinks is the crowd pleaser, isn't it? Kind of interesting yeah. to me to see what they think are the crowd pleasers. So plus you got wow. ten years worth yeah. of stuff in the seventies that you know they, they what started seventy three seventy four in there seventy three, you buddy. Yeah, I mean 70. this was eighty nine, so they've got a lot of time to play the older songs before they get to this stuff so yeah, that makes sense true, yeah, so, yeah. true. but this is a 10 you know, it's, it's an iconic song if you don't oh yeah i, I don't I think many be. people don't know this one so yeah you're right. absolutely right it's definitely up there guys um now we can go ahead and flip this tape over to the second side the first song on this side it's uh it's once again a hyphenated song dulcimer stomp for the intro and then the other side chris what do you think about the other side and can we play a little bit talked about the brass section earlier and it's prominent right. in this song you could hear it really really well through this one and i loved that intro that dulcimer oh god uh, yeah. stomp was a uh, that intro was probably the best instrumental minute on this album those guys crushed that i mean that was great i think this was a i don't know if it was i don't know if i call this one iconic i know it was a big hit for these guys off of this album but it's probably not one they play like now so i gave it a nine i think it's a really good song and I wanted to give it a 10, but I just, I just don't think I'd call this one iconic. Uh, but it's definitely got a catchable or a catchy singable chorus and sounds great. So, yeah. Yeah, Chris, you and I are absolutely on the same same page on this one. The dulcimer stop section is absolutely perfection to open up the second side of this record. I think this might be my favorite song on this record, believe it or not, even though it may not be considered iconic by some. I love this song. I think the intro sets the mood, uh, what you're getting ready to get into. Easy to sing along, to rock out to. I think it's a fun song. And that horn section we just talked about, it's back. I uh, love it. I gave it a nine as well. I wanted to give it like a nine and a half or a ten, but I just wasn't 100% sure. But it is my favorite song on this record, and and nine is where I stand. Anthony, what did you think about song. the other side? Yeah, I love this song. I think it's my favorite song on this record. Interesting. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I like that dulcimer stomp. And for some reason when I heard that, I kept thinking of people sitting on a porch in the mountains somewhere just jamming. On one of those old cabins back in the back in the woods, I don't know. It just came to mind when I was hearing that every time. Um, you know, the other side is kicks in. It's pure Aerosmith rock and roll. It's another big song. It's not as memorable maybe as a couple of the other ones, um, but it's really upbeat. Band sounds great, and with headphones on, you can really hear all the layers this song has. Again, and Joe has another killer guitar solo in this one. Uh, I'm giving it a ten. 
I feel like it's pretty iconic personally. I mean, the other side. So I think if I played this to most people, they would probably know this song, you know, so I thought, I thought 10 is a good number for it, but I did. Excellent. I won't disagree with you. It's a great song. I thought about it myself. (laughs) Me either, man. I was, I was literally right there. So I remember seeing this video and hearing the song a lot back in the day. So I I figured it's pretty iconic, but that's, that's great. That's great. Now we uh, we go on to the next track on this uh, the second song on the second side. It's called My Girl. Chris, a little taste of that. Just a fun toe tapping song. You guys have been talking about Joe Perry all night. I think he really stood out on this song. I think it was a great song for him. They kind of let him do his thing on this a little more than Steven. Steven's normally kind of hogging the spotlight on these songs, but but this one was a was a Joe Perry song. And yeah, I mean the guitar solo was great on this one too. I may have been a little low. I'm looking at my score. I gave it a seven and a half. I I don't think it's like quite as big a heavy hitter as some of the songs on this album, but it, but that's between very good and great. So I'm good with that. Fair enough. Now, see, in my opinion on My Girl, I think this is my least favorite on the album. The only thing that makes it as good as it is, as good as the score is for me, is because of Joe Perry. It just never has really struck me as a, as a great tune. I, uh, you know, I, this is not one I'd seek out. I, w- I would, you know, I wouldn't seek this one by no means. I'd probably skip it, to be honest with you. Um, I, it's not bad, but it's just not as good as the rest of this album. I rated this one a six. It's my lowest score on this record, so Come that's on. just how I feel. Anthony, what do you think man. about My Girl? Man, I'm really digging it. It's a, it's a fun, upbeat, upbeat song. It's the kind of song Aerosmith does so well. Uh, it's hard not to tap your foot or feel happier when you hear it. Uh, it works for me, man. I gave it an 8.5. I was digging this one. So, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Hey, I fair enough. It That's, lot, so. It's all in how you hear it, guys. Like I said many, many times before, it yeah. just didn't strike a nerve with me. So yeah. now that takes us up to, uh, was it track number eight, or the third song on the second side here, Don't Get Mad, Get Even. Chris, a little taste of that. Yeah, Jimmy, you mentioned earlier that uh, you had this Cajun feel. To me, this song and the next one, man, I, they have to spend some time down in the bayou writing this music. I mean, it just <laughs> right. it, it just screams it. And, and yeah, this definitely this has a I wrote here a swampy, gritty swagger to it, with catchy riffs and vocals. I think it's one of the more underrated songs on the album. This I don't think they released this. They should have. I think it's a great song. I gave it eight and a half. Wow! Wow! I uh, <clears throat> I I'm close to you on that one chris i think don't get mad get even is uh it's it starts off with that crazy sound that woo sound whatever it is and the you harmonica know what that kicks is? in and you guys know how much i love the harmonica but 
I remember this one live, and it was rocking. I don't know if you remember or not, Chris. And, and Anthony, yeah. I hate to say it, I can't remember if you were at the Pump Show or not, but uh, I, don't I remember this song absolutely destroying, and it's great. And it is a bluesy, bluesy, riffing slide guitar solo. I love that part of it. I think it's somewhere between very good and great. I gave this one a seven and a half. Anthony, what would you do? What do you think about the uh, Don't Get Mad, yeah. Get Even? Do you know what that instrument is that leads off this song? I, I didn't look it up. What is that? I think it's a didgeridoo. Uh, I you think know what that right. is? Yeah, yeah it's I like an Australian right pipe kind of thing they blow yeah, into. Yeah. It, it is a wind instrument played with continuously vibrating lips to produce a continuous drone while using a special breathing technique called circular breathing. The didgeridoo was developed by Aboriginal peoples of Northern Australia at least 1,500 years ago. And how Aerosmith wound up with it, I have no idea. Wow. Um, yeah, I picked up on that right off the bat because I've been into Australia for a long time. I want to go down there, and the didgeridoo just has always stood out to me. So I was like, "Is that a didgeridoo?" When I was listening to this, like, "What? what the, where the heck did that come from?" So uh, <laughs> I think they I, threw the kitchen sink at the back half of this album. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell you what, man, <laughs> that blew my mind. Like, what? Where'd you get that from? But uh, anyway, you know, putting all that aside, you know, I love the intro to this song. It's funky, bluesy. I can see Steven sitting on a stool in a smoky bar, leading the song in. Then he kicks the stool away. The lights blast on. The band comes blasting in. It's kind of stuff running through my head when I was listening to this song, you know, but really digging it. No complaints. Um, it works 8.5 for me, man. I really like this one a lot. Hey, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And like Jimmy said, they did rock this in concert on this tour. And I don't know if it's one yeah, they play I, a lot. They probably didn't play it since this tour, to be honest with you. But, it kicked, but man, it was it great. Ass. It was. And it's, it's a great live song. I saw him on the tour before, I think, Permanent Vacation at yeah. Freedom Hall. Or, was it Freedom Hall? Johnson yeah, City? Yeah, yeah, it's Freedom Hall. All right, and that brings us to track number nine of the fourth fourth song on the second side here. It's another one of those with an intro, Hoodoo, Voodoo, Medicine Man. Chris, a little taste of this one. Pretty sure I heard a Zydeco in there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> These Probably. guys, like I said, they threw the kitchen sink at the back half of this album. Yeah, I think it's pretty similar to the last song. It's uh, kind of as like a yet another gritty, swampy swagger to it. I think this one rocks a little more than the last song. It's a little more raw than the last song, but, but in a good way. That's uh, great. Eight and a half for this one too. I, I think I think the back half of this album is fantastic. Yeah, man. The uh... Hoodoo, voodoo, medicine man to me. I, I love that darker vibe in this song. It's very creepy. It's got that creepy vibe going, you know. Mm-hmm. That spoken word intro by uh, Steven Tyler, it sets the mood for sure. It's an excellent live song. They played this live too, Chris. I don't know if you remember it. And it is an excellent live song. Um, they're seriously firing on all cylinders on this record, guys. At this point, the second side is actually an, just kicking some kicking some major ass. Um, I love this one. I think it's an eight and a half on my end. Anthony. How do you feel about Hoodoo Voodoo Medicine Man? Yeah, man. My opening line says, the intro. Wow. <laughs> Love everything about how this song comes in. And I can see New Orleans and Mardi Gras parades in my head when I hear it. 
There's a there's also a nasty bass line that carries throughout this song I really loved. And Steven and the band sound great. Love the energy, love the chorus, just everything about it. I think this is my favorite on the album. I give this one a nine. It's an excellent in my mind. So hey, very good. Very good. One. You know, I was I was that close to giving it a nine as well, just so it's, you know. It's so, my yeah. favorite. It may not be the most iconic on the album, but it's definitely my favorite on the album. It's a it's a very, very great song. I mean, awesome. Now, we're gonna wrap this one up. Track 10 or the fifth song on the second side with What It Takes. Chris, a little bit of that, please. textbook power ballad in my opinion it's the best song on the album i may sound like a wuss for saying that i don't oh care it's, i love the harmonies <laughs> here they just sound so smooth right there uh, i think it's an easy 10 uh, i mean this is this is iconic as it gets i don't know what you guys think but <laughs> that's my review on that All right, no dude it's fair enough it, it, yeah, i'm glad i'm glad you enjoyed this one to uh, you know what it takes to me it, it, it takes me back to high school i'm just telling yeah. you right now I feel like it is absolutely the high school dance song or whatever. Lyrically, however, it's a little advanced for high school romances, but when you're, you know, age 16, 17, 18, you know, your hormones are firing full blast. And if you did go through a breakup and you heard this song and you saw your former girlfriend dating somebody else, that's the stuff going through your mind, especially if you haven't bounced back as a kid. Uh, I don't know if this is, <laughs> I don't think this would pass the crank test for me now, Chris, but it certainly did <laughs> back not. in 1989 and nine. <laughs> it is iconic in the land of Aerosmith. I did give it a 10, however. Anthony, what do you think about what it takes? I mean, do you guys think Ballot Boy is actually going to hate on this song? Guys? <laughs> I'm assuming a 10 is coming out here it's too. Ten, it's got it's another 10, man. I love it. It's a great song for them. But surprisingly, <laughs> number 17 in concert. 716 plays. I was kind of surprised. Yeah, I that's thought it might that's be a little low for this one. Yeah, I, I agree, Chris. Wow. But uh, that's set list FM. You know, take it up with them. Don't take it up with me. So that's where I'm getting my yeah. facts from. Again, so. this album came out in 89. They, they started in 73. Yeah. So there's a lot of material before this came out. All right. Yeah. But, well, I was going to top this off real fast since we finished. The review, before we go into the actual overall uh, feelings for this record or, or ratings, I wanted to tell everybody listening the uh, set list for this tour that we got to see in Johnson City, Tennessee back at May 1st in 1990. They opened up with basically this record, Young Lust, then into F-I-N-E. Then they played Monkey On My Back, Walking the Dog from, I think it's off their first album. Uh, it's a cover tune. They played Permanent Vacation. Then they got Janie's Got a Gun, Last Child. Then they played Mama Ken. Then Don't Get Mad, Get Even. Then Voodoo Medicine Man, which was incredible live. Draw the line. They did a Jimi Hendrix song, Red House, just you know, just a brief brief take of it. Then they broke into What It Takes. They played Back in the Saddle, Ragdoll, 
Dude Looks Like a Lady, then Sweet Emotion, and then did the cover song Peter Gunn, which is the outro. They came out and did the encore. The 19th song of the night was Dream On. And if you remember how they came out, Chris, that was pretty freaking awesome. Then they played Love in an Elevator, of course, and they closed the show with Walk This Way. 21 songs. Good that set list, is a yeah. set list. And when it, when it broke it down, Pump had eight songs on that show. So, <laughs> And there's only 10 songs on this record, guys. They played eight out of 10 songs on this tour. So that's how much they backed that record for this uh, for this tour. And it's... That's going. To, I, I'm pretty sure that statistic is going to lead to what these overall ratings are going to be. Chris, how did your overall turn out for this record? It's, it's interesting. Initially, I chose this album. But I, I had this and Permanent Vacation were the two I was wrestling with. And for whatever reason, I, I listened to this album more than I did Permanent Vacation. I can remember in high school picking this one more often. And, and that's kind of the reason I wanted to revisit this one and, and make sure my memories. It was a great album. I remember thinking this is this is something I played a lot back in the day. And yeah, there were ten songs. Four of them were very solid hits that that did very well for these guys, and the rest of them were great. I mean, there's nothing below a seven in my book on this album. And, and I think uh, I think Aerosmith's strengths really were Steven Tyler at the most part, with some pretty good. Uh, you know, guitar riffing behind him, and the rhythm section was really good on this album. It was prominent; you could hear it throughout. And I love that that Cajun Bayou sound that kind of creeped in on some of this. And I'd love to to hear like a review, you know, or like an interview maybe from Stephen and the guys, and and see if they were influenced by like a trip to Louisiana or something before they wrote this. But yeah, overall, it's a pretty high score for me. It was an eight point eight overall when I rounded it up. Wow. That's uh, that's outstanding for me. I uh, I think overall this is, you know, I, I was shocked when I revisited revisited out revisited I should say. Um, I remember listening to this a lot back in my high school days, and uh, from basically eighty nine through until we graduated, and, and probably a couple of years after. But uh, you know, after multiple listens, I can certify this is even better than what I remembered it back in those days. And, and as, this is a matured ear listening versus a you know a high school kid drinking a lot of beer. Um, I think that it is certainly the best album Aerosmith released in the 80s as they closed out 89 with this one. It came out, I think, September of 89. And I, and I would never, ever say this is a bad record because this album absolutely destroys. My rating is uh, my rating was lower than I thought it was going to be. Um, it came out to being 8.6. I think this is every bit of a, 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 probably a 9, but I would say I would go with Chris's rating of 8.8 as a fair number because it's extremely solid. And... Um, but on the same note, when I went back and, and listened to this this week, I listened to a lot of Aerosmith this week, and I realized that I don't really care as much for the MTV era Aerosmith, uh, but uh, I, I seem to prefer the cocaine era Aerosmith. So. <laughs> Seasons of Weather, man. I, I'm That's telling you, man, isn't it crazy? I just, when I went back and listened to all the old stuff, I thought, and his voice changed over the years. I mean, yeah. Steven Tyler really uh, I have a question here at the end of this one. podcast that will I'm going to – I actually have another clip pulled for tonight. I'm going to let you all hear it and – Okay, we'll get to that. Well, in a minute. I'll let uh, I'll let Anthony go ahead. Anthony, what was your final assessment of this record? Well, I'm gonna give you a little bit of info about this album, show you how big an album it was for him, man. Um, the album has certified sales of seven million copies in the U.S. to date. I'm not sure how far back the Wikipedia article goes, um, and it's tied with its successor, Get a Grip, as Aerosmith's second best-selling studio album in the U.S. Toys in the Attic leads with eight million. It produced a variety of successes and first for the band, including the first Grammy Award, Janie's Got a Gun, 
Love in an Elevator became the first Aerosmith song to hit number one on the mainstream rock tracks. Additionally, it is the only Aerosmith album to date to have three top ten singles on the Billboard Hot 100 and three number one singles on the mainstream rock tracks chart. The album was the fourth best-selling album of the year 1990. In the UK, it was the second Aerosmith album to be certified silver, 60,000 units sold by the British phonographic industry. So that kind of gives you some knowledge of how big and how powerful this album was back in the day. And my rating came out to be uh, 8.95, and I'm going to go to a 9 on that because it, it's an excellent album from start to finish. And my notes say uh, this is an excellent album from the opening song to the last, and there are no duds on it at all. If you need an escape, need some great rock and roll with a heavy beat, turn this one on and let it play. Can't recommend it enough. I'm glad I got a chance to revisit it because I hadn't heard it in a long time. Um, I'll be listening to this one more as the year goes on. But I think Permanent Vacation was mine back in the day. I don't remember listening to Pump as much as that one. I got Permanent Vacation, um, and I think I stayed with that one quite a while. But uh, Pump is a great album, so I'm glad Chris picked it. Nice to yeah, revisit me too, it. Me too. All right, Chris, go ahead and hit us up with some stuff here. Well, uh, I pulled a little montage clip here to kind of show the differences between old and young Steven Tyler's vo- vocals. Oh, yeah. And Bring it on. Curious to get y'all's opinion and, and why it's this way, but I'm going to go ahead and play this first. Basically, I just interlaid six songs. There are three old and three new back to back, and it's pretty clear that he's he's up a whole octave on his '90s stuff compared to his '80s stuff. Although it's it's not as as drastic as maybe I thought when I first put that together. Why do you guys think that is? He's sober. Uh, or you more you sober think that's what it is? In the '90s, I do. Um, <clears throat> probably from from what I gathered, him and the majority of this band were very party centric. They were heavily influenced by cocaine and alcohol mm-hmm. that fueled by it as a matter of fact um I th- i'm pretty sure he had a few stints in rehab and i'm pretty certain he was clean i think toward the end of this uh, decade so i would think as he got older <clears throat> and less alcohol maybe he didn't smoke as much because they were all smokers back in those days i would imagine he was lucky enough to keep his voice the way it was i mean his voice hasn't changed that much since you know, 90s, you know, or right. at least the late 80s, early 90s to this day. So, I mean, that's my guess. I don't know. What do you think, Anthony? 
You're probably right. He probably well, didn't he have an album called Done with Mirrors and they were finally yeah. done with all that stuff like in mid eighties yeah. or something like that. So that I'm, I'm not sure if yeah. Joe Perry was on that oh, record no, or not. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, done so. with mirrors. It was, it was a decent record for sure. I yeah. think that's the one that came out before Permanent Vacation. I think so. I think that's why they made Permanent Vacation too. It was like you know, there's a vacation from all that stuff or something like that. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's it's kind of strange that you actually get higher as you get older than. Yeah, when it you're should younger, be the opposite, so. right? Because it should have been opposite, be. right? Like when the guy's vo- voice is gone after, like you know, like the ACDC guy or something. I don't know how he like came back and well, did the album he did, <laughs> but but normally I will say. This right here, Chris, in the 70s, they were not as, you know, huge as they became. And I would imagine they saw the production. They started getting yeah. real high-dollar producers in the 80s. Uh, you know, per- Permanent Vacation, I'm not sure how they, they slotted that. They hit MTV, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden their career exploded again. Because yeah, they were Toys so. in the Attic is a kick-ass album, and it was a great record. I think 75, maybe. Uh, 74, I can't remember what year it came out, but uh, it, apparently it was just absolutely a huge hit for them. And when, when you think about that, and they started going downhill because of the drug use, and all of a sudden they bounced back with Permanent Vacation, Dude Looks Like a Lady was a huge, huge hit, and then they released Pump, which is a massive, massive hit. And they keep going, because they didn't stop, right. guys. Let's face it, they just got big, bigger and bigger and bigger until, they did. I guess, the late 90s. Well, I'll say this. Yeah. I kind of cheated a little bit, because I, I, you know, I've sprung this on you guys, but I did do a little research on this this very question beforehand and i saw an interview with steven tyler and he was basically saying in the in the 70s they they were kind of afraid to to buck the the trend too much of those 70s rock bands oh, and and yeah. they wanted to sound kind of like that that time frame there were a lot of people doing those vocals like then and yeah. the bigger they got and the more you know more they could kind of do their own thing that's when the vo- voice changed a little bit so that's part wow. of it yeah you didn't pull one of my favorite songs by him, man. Seasons of Wither. Absolutely <laughs> love it. I was listening to that today. That's love, actually love. a great song. Yeah, that's a classic. I love that song. Man. Well, I was just trying to get old and, and new. And, is yeah. that's off their first album, isn't it, Anthony? I'm not sure where that one came or from. Second I I heard that. It's, it's, off of, it, it's it, off of an early, early record. It's he really sounds Yeah, he sounds really raspy on that one, too, man. It's very yeah. haunting. It's very, very, very good. Well, it's man. a bluesy rock, man. That's what they did. Yeah. A lot of blues great. with this. A lot of yeah. blues. Yeah. I say he probably cut out the drugs. Probably started taking a little more vitamin C and getting his throat well, back in, in work. So the taking the chances makes sense because he did hit those high pitched notes on a few songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like uh, he dream yeah. on. I mean, yeah, dream on. He crushes the. Like, the my God, there, he screams yeah. it out in that song. Um, and I'm gonna tell you something. I went back and listened to the uh, Red Covered Greatest Hits. Oh my God. <laughs> I used to drink to that record yeah. a lot. It's a great album. Holy <laughs> crap. It's a great album. The blue one's good, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't even recommend that one enough for anybody, much less this Pump album. It absolutely is phenomenal. But eh, it's another, that's a story for another day. Um, <laughs> what do you say we wrap this thing up, guys? Anything else you want to share with us, Chris? I don't think so. It was a good episode. I, if everybody stayed around to the end, we appreciate you guys listening. It was, this was a fun yeah, lesson absolutely. for us. A lot of nostalgia on this one. Yeah, no doubt. Anthony, what's going on with you this week? Uh, well, I decided to double up songs for about four or five episodes and I went back to not doubling up back to single episodes. But next week is uh Perrier blues and Morris's nightmare off of, uh, mm. you had to be there a couple oh, wow. hidden tracks back in that day. But, uh, yeah, I didn't really like the double cause it started to, to kind of take away from what I was doing with each song. So I'm back to that now, but I about four or five songs going to be like that four or five episodes. So we'll see how it goes. I look forward to hearing it, man. Yeah. So. Boys, next week, 
I know I'm ready for it. Anthony, <laughs> I know you're ready for it. Chris, you need I'm going to go ahead and apologize. Pull up your chest. <laughs> pull out your man yeah. claws. I almost say is get out the weights, start doing some push-ups and sit-ups, buddy, because next <laughs> week up. it's Man of War, Kings some, of Metal. Get some plastic <laughs> on the floors. You'll be dripping with testosterone next week. Yeah, boy. Man, There'll be so much manhood on this next episode, we'll have to get 50 women to sit with us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, nah, it's, it's a great album. I can't wait. To, I can't wait. I haven't heard it in years, but it's a good I can't wait to talk record. about Pleasure Slave with you guys. That song oh, is about God. as un-PC as they come, man. <laughs> It'll be great. It'll be great. All right, guys. Well, listen, we appreciate everybody listening in. And the emails, I, re- I reply back to the emails this week. And, guys, I appreciate the comments and – I did make the suggestion tonight about the Led Zeppelin that was suggested to me, and we may consider that. We'll 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 think about that. That's a it's a pretty good sized discography to go through, but we we may consider we may, we may touch on a couple of Zeppelin albums because that was a request. Now I guess a couple times now. So, nonetheless, guys, thank y'all for listening for Audible Ecstasy Podcast. This is Jimmy. This is Chris. This is Anthony. And this is it. Thank you for listening to the Audible Ecstasy Podcast. Join us next week when we review Kings of Metal by Manowar. We'll see you then.